Hello, hello, and welcome to Soccer Made in Portland on OregonLive.com and Stumptown Footy. My name is Chris Reifer, and joining me, as always, the Timbers and Thorns beat writer for The Oregonian and OregonLive.com, Jamie B. Goldberg. Jamie B., what's going on? Um, I've been running around all day to Timbers training, Thorns training, trying to get as much info as possible before both of the teams take off. Uh, so it's been a pretty crazy day for me, but I, I'm ready uh, for to be able to cover some soccer games this weekend. Uh, the, the weekend off this early in the season was a bit weird. Um, and I think after that New York game that we've talked about and analyzed, it'll be nice to We'll see how it goes, but it'll be nice to see some soccer, um, get them back on the field and, and see how they respond to that. Maybe. It maybe. may be nice to see <laughs> it, some more soccer. It'll be better than just waiting and just assuming that New York is where we're at for the rest of uh, the rest of the year. Yeah, can't can't go too far down from there, um, <laughs> I suppose, is the you know bright way of looking at things. Uh, yes, that is the bright side of life. Uh, I spent my day also running around, but running around for a very different purpose. Uh, I got a puppy. Um, I went out to the Humane Society out in in, in Madras, Oregon, uh, in Central Oregon, and uh, found just yesterday a, a, a puppy whom we fell in love with online. Uh, and so my fiance and I drove out uh, the first thing this morning and, and and went and visited him. The the visit went great. Uh, and so we adopted him right then and there, and 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 we brought him back. And now he he's in the apartment. His name, uh, his his legal name, I should say, is Garrison, uh, short Gary, uh, but everybody just calls him Jerry. Uh, so he he is here. So if if you hear a new guest uh, on on the podcast now, or you know, in the next probably <laughs> like a long time, uh, if things, <laughs> yeah, certainly I hope uh, a long time, um, uh, it, it is probably Jerry. Uh, and yeah, he, uh, as, as best I can tell right now, he is an extremely good boy, extremely good boy. As we have told him not fewer than like, I don't know, probably five or 600 <laughs> times, uh, over the course of the day. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. Uh, Jamie Goldberg, what advice do you have, uh, for me as a new puppy dad? <laughs> um, Get ready to uh, potentially come home to some damage uh, and, and <laughs> you're going to still have to love him and not get too mad uh, if he does something like eat your wall, which we've we've experienced at least. Yikes, Maybe you'll be lucky. But yes. Uh, yeah. Porkchop did eat part of the wall. Wow. Um, I'm not even mad. Have... I'm, I'm like impressed. Yeah, I don't know how. Um, I think he just scratched at it, and then I, I don't know. I don't really know. We still haven't found the color to match. We we fixed the wall, but <laughs> it's still random. We don't have the correct color. He also ate part of a window frame, Wow, um, which was harder to fix. Uh, it definitely doesn't look that good close up. Yeah, And all of our games and books in our living room became just basically an empty space for him, but then he ate the chair. Oh, goodness. So, so Porkchop so- <laughs> is a serious like chew, chewing dog. He was. Um, has, he, has he grown he, he out of still it? Loves, he still loves to chew everything, but he hasn't destroyed anything in a while. And in fact, we've moved the bookshelf back in oh, uh, nice. that we had taken out. So Good for uh, the games are back in there. So he, he improved o- over time and we loved him through it, but it was definitely uh, definitely sad to come back and see so- some of the stuff uh, that he destroyed. So there, there's a little bit of an adjustment period, I think, when you get any any dog. Yeah. Um, but maybe, maybe we don't know. Part might have just been on the crazy chewing side, so we'll see. 
We'll see. You'll probably have some fun stories, though. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Funny in retrospect. I, I'm quite stories. sure, in, in Porkchop's defense, I'm quite sure he's not the first dog uh, to, to, <laughs> to have sort of that, you know, I mean, to list, especially a young dog, to list chewing things up as, as one of his hobbies. Uh, I think that's, that's a pretty common one uh, among the puppers. Um, and yeah, so we're very excited. Uh, we're, we're still sort of playing by ear the, these next couple of weeks, but the, the plan in the medium term, at least, uh, is to have him go to doggy daycare during the day because we want him to have that socialization. We want him to have, uh, you know, to be able to get some energy out and to play and, and, and both to have some other human interaction, but also some other dog interaction. Uh, and then, you know, to be with us, uh, evenings and weekends and mornings and when he's not there. So, We'll see how, how all that goes. That is, when that's going to start, it remains up in the air. Uh, but for now, the, we are beginning this transition. We are extremely excited about it. Uh, we, yeah, uh, are, are ecstatic about this addition to our family. Um, so, yeah, uh, thanks for joining us, Jerry. Uh, and thanks for all the times you will join us over the course of the next however many podcasts. Um, Timbers. Yeah, Timbers Thorns. That's what we primarily talk about on the show. We're going to stray from that a little bit. Uh, over the course of the show as we get toward the uh, HTSTBNL. Uh, but nonetheless, let's start with the Timbers and and sort of a wrap-up of their off week. By that, I mostly mean the injury report. Uh, <laughs> what, what do we know about the various parts of the injury report, Jamie Goldberg? You're the actual journalist here. Uh, Diego Char, let's start there, and let's start with a question from Curtis. Do you think we see 90 minutes from Char this weekend, or, or, or do you think we see something less like an hour? Uh, I, I was really hopeful that we'd get a little bit um, more information from Gio on some of the injury updates. He has, Charlie Brown, uh, Charlie Brown, been... meet football and Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> we we haven't got very specific info from him on much of um, anything so far. So uh, it's been difficult to predict. And I think it's going to be very difficult to predict what the lineup's going to look like this weekend. And I, I think there are a lot of possibilities. I, I really think whatever I whatever I say it would probably be wrong at least a little bit. It, this is not going to be something easy to predict because Gio hasn't told us very much. With Chara, he is traveling to the game. We do not know if he's going to play, but he has been in training. He, from our understanding, had at least 60 minutes um, in uh, 60 minutes with T2. Yeah, and that was uh, against the University of Portland a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So, you uh, know, be that what it may. So if he was at that point... I, I think that he should be ready to start. He's been in full training. So um, I, I'm going to predict that he is going to start and we're going to see him go at least 60 minutes, if not more. I don't know if he's ready to go 90. Maybe it's a wait and see thing. But given the, that progression, given that he played 60 with T2, unless there's been some sort of setback, unless he reacted poorly to that game, uh, I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be at that point at this point yet. And um he is traveling and I don't think they would be doing that unless they thought seriously that he was going to play. Uh, Alvis Powell is the next guy. Uh, I think on the injury list, he was out uh, somewhat unexpectedly uh, against the Red Bulls. What do we know about Powell's progress over the course of the last couple of weeks? Yeah, we didn't uh, get a chance to yeah, get an answer from Gio on that this week, but Powell has, uh, I mean, practices have been closed, but from what we've seen, he's been out there every day um, in, in the little bit that we've seen. I would expect that he's fine, uh, but wait, I guess we're not going to know for sure until the weekend. Vetus, I think we know a little bit more, even if it's not necessarily better news. Yeah, there's not a specific timeline on it, but, but Vetus hasn't been 
uh, fully training at all. He was on the field this week, which I guess was a step forward for him doing some work on the side. But given that, it doesn't sound like he's close enough at all to, to be back this weekend. Yeah, and just a reminder that hamstring injuries are basically the worst. Uh, and, and they are the kinds of injuries that you put a timeline on them and they sort of just go at their own pace. Uh, you can't come back early. Uh, otherwise, you will absolutely re-injure them, um, as we have some experience with. Uh, in, in recent days, uh, recent months, more uh, more more accurately, uh, but yeah, I mean, so it's a hamstring injury, and and it looks like it, it's not a a sort of light one that you can see be a two to three week timeline. Uh, the next sort of you know sort of phase it seems that we get is kind of a four to six week timeline, which you know we'd basically still be in, uh, given that he suffered the injury in the last preseason game of of preseason. So uh, such as it is, I, I think that's one that we're probably just gonna have to play by ear. Uh, Jeff Adonello, though, I think we have maybe the best information on uh, of everybody outside of Diego Chara. What do we know about Adonello? Yeah, uh, he was going to be, I, I believe it was that he was back in training and, and they were going to evaluate him, but it, it sounded like he was definitely a possibility for the weekend. So Adonello, a possibility for the, for the weekend. We'll see what happens then after that to the Jake Gleason, Jeff Adonello uh, sort of competition. I I don't think in in the course of the first two weeks of the season, there's been a whole lot that's re- that's gone wrong for the Timbers. It's really been attributable to, to Jake Gleason. He's had a couple of moments in which he's shown well, uh, but I, I you know I wouldn't say that that he has either sort of made a compelling case for him uh, to keep the job, nor has he you know frittered away the job by any means. So uh, I, I think to me that is at least an open question going forward. Do you agree with that assessment that that the Adonella Gleason competition? now that Adonella is getting back to full health is, is still an open one. Yeah, I, I think it has to be. I, I, like you said, I don't think Gleason has done anything to lose it per se. Uh, so in, in that sense, it's a little bit harsh if you just take it away from him immediately. Obviously, um, if the idea was to have Jeff Stark going in, then, then maybe that's just that's just how it goes. But I think that's a competition. I think they're close. I, I think that's what we've seen. Uh, throughout preseason and going into the year until Adonel got hurt. So, yeah, I think that's what we're going to be continue to talk about. But like you said, Gleason hasn't done anything spectacular where, where I'm saying he has to be in the game, but he hasn't done anything to lose a, lose a job at this point. So sometimes significant things happen, and we know significant things happen, but we have absolutely no – and we know that it is significant, but we have absolutely no idea – how it is significant, how it turned out, or how it went. I think this next thing is very much one of those things where I think it was absolutely significant. Uh, I think it, it will have ramifications that we will see uh, probably as, as early as this weekend, but, but potentially beyond that. Uh, and I have absolutely no idea what those ramifications are. Uh, and that is last Saturday. The Timbers held a 90-minute closed-door scrimmage. Uh, so they they sort of did it in, in a full formal scrimmage, uh, intra-squad scrimmage that we did not get to see. Uh, that was the reason why, and this foreshadows the show just a little bit, uh, a lot of the first teamers who you would expect to go down and, and play with T2, guys like Jack Barnby, Eric Williamson, uh, I think you could probably find a couple more guys that you, that you would think could be joining T2 for their season opener against the Sounders, did not. And, and as a result, only Modu Janama, uh, and, uh, and, and Jeremy Abobasi played for T2 in that game. So they had this scrimmage, uh, and, and we don't really know what happened. Uh, 
Why do you think they had the scrimmage? And, and, and do you know any more than I do uh, as to what came out of it and what we're like, likely to see from it going forward? No, I, I really don't know any more than you do. Um, I, I think it makes sense to to do something like that after a loss like you have in New York. I, I think it's an opportunity to try to work some things out, uh, have some guys compete a little bit in a game-like situation. And, and it's closed doors because you're trying to work things out. You're trying to fix things. You're trying to see what makes sense and, and sort of probably look at it um, as a little bit of a preparation for this Dallas game and what you what – Geo might want to do as a coach in this upcoming game. Uh, so I think given that it's so early in the season, this is kind of a random uh, weekend off only three weeks into the season. It's an opportunity to get that game like situation, get them back on the field after such a demoralizing loss and kind of get players to compete a little bit and hopefully get a better mindset heading into this week against Dallas. You know, and I, I just want to make two other notes with respect to that, that scrimmage first, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense if the Timbers are really prioritizing getting Diego Chara fit and ready to go, uh, that they would want to get sort of a basically a game in uh, with the first team before they, they, they throw him out on the field uh, against Dallas. And so I think that, you know, I mean, given the importance of Chara to this team, uh, I think that might justify having uh, that kind of a scrimmage in, in an off week like this uh, by itself. But look, the the other aspect of it, and I think it's related to, to what you said, uh, is also undeniable at this point, uh, at least certainly appears undeniable from the outside that, you know, the Timbers are in a spot where there are multiple players uh, across the roster that can and should be, uh, and by every indication are, competing to play, competing to start. Uh, and and there's no sort of more direct way to to tell a Julio Cascante or or, or to tell a Christian Paredes or, or or to tell some of these guys that are pushing for these starting spots, heck, even a Victor Arboleda or or, or a Samuel Armenteros, than to say, okay, you've got this the, the this 90 minute scrimmage uh, on on Saturday, go prove to me, go show me you 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 should be in that spot. Conversely, I mean, you, you look at the guys that are currently in the lineup. I mean, you, you look at Liam Ridgewell's effort against the, the Red Bulls, and I think you, you look at Ridgie and you say, hey, look, man, you want you want to keep your spot. You've got to go earn it. You've got to go prove uh, that you deserve to be uh, in that starting uh, left center back spot. Same with Laris Mabiala, although it hasn't been uh, effort issues for, for Mabiala. It certainly has been quality issues. Uh, and, and so, you know, I think that's sort of one of those situations where it's very easy and very clear cut. Uh, to look at him and say, all right, you, you've got to go prove, you've got to go demonstrate that you deserve uh, the, the, to, to have that starting spot still. And so, you know, I, I think those are two big factors that go into it. How all of that shook out, I have no idea. So, you know, I mean, they, but, but, hey, look, I mean, have that in the back of your mind uh, when you're, you know, refreshing Twitter, waiting for the for the lineup to come up on on, on Saturday. Because it very well could be that things that came out of that game are informing decisions of who is starting and who and who is not starting uh, against FC Dallas. Uh, as I mo- mentioned a moment ago, the Timbers 2 uh, opened the regular season with a 2-1 loss uh, to Sounders 2. That was up at Cheney Stadium in Tacoma. Uh, known more, I, I think, broadly around the Northwest, uh, if you are a nerd like myself, uh, as the home of the Tacoma Rainiers, the AAA affiliate uh, of the Seattle Mariners, uh, but that it is also now the the home uh, of Sounders too. Uh, they have moved down to Tacoma. Uh, they are being sort of run on the business side 
uh, by the Rainiers uh, and and are, are sort are sort of being uh, being owned uh, on that level, but they are still sort of connected on the technical side to the Sounders. So yeah, Timbers two they lost two one to Sounders two. Uh, what did you 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 think and what you've seen and heard and, and all of that coming out of the game, Jamie? What did you think? Do you, are you coming away from this more with sort of positives? uh from the loss or do you think this is more the same from t2 and and that they with absolute with you know one game of evidence uh are going to be going down a similar path a similar dark path uh that they did in 2017 i mean i i'll take some positives away from the game it's a it's a close game it's the first game of the season but i i think the the biggest thing that you have to note from the game and you said it earlier is that a lot of the players that are going to be playing with T2 weren't there. They they were playing in this closed door scrimmage and that's not going to be happening every week. The T2 is going to have a lot of strong players, a lot of starters uh, that just weren't on the field in that game. And they're also still, you know, in some of these signings they've just made, they have some players that haven't arrived as well. So they're going to be a lot stronger team. I think the signings they made this off season are promising. When you look at the end of the Timbers roster, players like Eric Williamson, they're, that's an exciting player that could do well at T2. So I, I, I'm definitely taking this game with a grain of salt, salt because like they're because they didn't have the majority of the players. I think that are, we're going to see, see playing for T2 uh, this year. So yeah, I'll take some positives out of it and say, let's wait and see uh, when they get their whole team together, what they look like. You know, and, and I think that's sort of the only uh, fair approach. And, and it wasn't just the first team guys that, that were not there yet. Darik Vuelto has not arrived yet. It sounds like he's just sort of going through the normal process of, of getting his visa. Uh, he may have arrived by now. He had not. I should I should be clear. He had not uh, at the time of the game uh, last Saturday. Uh, same with Mar- Marvin Loria, uh, the left back uh, from from Saprisa. He has not yet arrived uh, for, for T2. So, you know, I mean, the, the, this was very much, I, I think I called it a soft opening, uh, for T2 because I mean, when you looked across the starting lineup, it was pretty easy to say, yeah, I mean, you're probably seeing maybe five of these guys and sort of a, a, a quote unquote first choice T2 starting lineup, but probably not much more than that. One note that I do want to make from, from the game, uh, Junior Anguiano, a, 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 an Academy player, sort of a central midfielder, uh, for the Academy, uh, did come into this game pretty early as a, as a result of, I think it was the, uh, as a result of an injury to Terrell Lowe, who used to be an academy player, now is signed to T2, uh, and, and came in and I thought showed extremely well uh, for sort of stepping into a game for an unexpectedly long, I think he ended up playing 70, maybe even 70 plus minutes or so, uh, and, and showed extremely well, really showed some composure on the ball. Uh, and, and, and really, frankly, even showed some quality and some creativity going forward. Uh, but, but for the most part, you know, as sort of a, a, a true central midfielder really showed that, that he has the ability to get out of spots, to relieve some pressure in possession, uh, and to help sort of, sort of the T2 stay on the front foot. Hey, you know, watching the game, I was really impressed at the amount that this Timbers two or Timbers two and a half even team was on the front foot. They, uh, in spite of the two one loss, Frankly, they had the better of the play. Uh, the The two goals came in sort of a, a re- very brief couple-minute meltdown in which T2, one, one of them was frankly just a good goal, uh, and then the other one was a, a, a rashly given away penalty. I mean, those are the kinds of mistakes you're going to see. You don't want to see a lot of them, and, and you don't want to see that many of them, that they're costing results. But other than that, I, I thought T2 was the better team on the field. It, it looked very different to me. 
uh, from from 2017, and and that's even with the the relatively weakened team uh, that they put out against the the Sounders second team. And so uh, I actually came away with quite a, n- a number of positives. I, I thought Mojadama looked pretty good uh, in central defense, probably the best central defender I've seen for T2 in in some time. Uh, I, I you know I thought Augie Williams uh, looked better up top than than he had. I'm thinking back, but basically at any time in 2017. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, and I think, I think when you sort of just go down the lineup, you can look at some guys and say, yeah, that was just better uh, than what we've seen from, from T2 in the past. So uh, I do think they're, especially when they get sort of up to full strength, they get Vuelta, they get Loria in the team. They, they get their sort of regularly expected uh, sort of first team contingent in the team. I, I think there's reason to be pretty excited about this T2 team and to think that they could uh, not only, you know, I mean, just not be flatly uncompetitive like like they were last year, but they could actually make a little bit of noise uh, in the USL Western Conference this year. Anyway, back to the first team. Timbers at FC Dallas. Saturday at 1230. Uh, that 1230 we found out today is very much an ish. Uh, sounds like it might be closer to 1250, uh, at least if uh, Zarek Valentin is, is is to be trusted. Uh, so yeah, 1230 official kickoff time. I'll leave it at that. Uh, it's gonna be both. It's gonna be streamed on Twitter uh, if you want to follow it that way. Uh, one of there have been, a, if my memory serves me correctly, there have been a few MLS games that have, that have been streamed on social media uh, before, but it, it has not been sort of a a you know, uh, a common, uh, kind of thing. Uh, but nonetheless, it is going to become more common. And this is going to be one of those games that that sort of starts to push that frontier, but regular TV, it is also going to be on Unimas. Um, Jamie, let's do some guessing any and, or how many changes from the 11 that started against the Red Bulls. Do you expect, what do you say, Jamie B? (laughs) Oh man, that's, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, (laughs) I think there can be up to, let me just see if I can think of that first. Um, I I think up to seven, probably. Wow. Up to seven. Yeah. So, so uh, does that count David Guzman? Because that's a cheap free one because he's going to be on international duty as is Andy Polo. So up to, uh, up to six sort of up to six healthy scratches is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Um, we have we had Lawrence Olm start last game. I don't see the Timbers doing that again. I don't think. Okay. Good. I feel like Kratis is going to come back in. I I was surprised about that, and given the given how it went, I, I think that they will make that change back. <laughs> I think that Adnell could come in for Gleason because he was ahead of him before. Um, although I do, like I said earlier, that it's a little up in there because Gleason hasn't done anything to lose that spot. I think Marco Farfan will play because of Vitas's um absence I, I think that just is kind of how it has to go but I, I do think Alvis Powell might come back in he might get that chance depending on how things have gone assuming he's healthy which I think he probably is given uh just from him being out in training for the first 15 minutes of practices uh he could come back into that spot uh, I think potentially he will go back to Audi uh give him another chance there but I, I or potentially even go to a four a different formation and have Armenteros and Audi on the field. Um, I, I think the biggest question for me is what he's going to do with the center backs. Cause it, that's really interesting to me. I think there is a chance that we say, see Cascante and Tulioma 
uh, back there. And that after the performance in the first two games, given Ridgewell's giving up on some of those goals, given where Mavihala has been, he's going to say, Hey, we're going to give these other guys a chance and see if they can win these spots. Uh, but like I said, it's up in there. Um, but that's the, the center back positions is the one that I'm going to be most interested in seeing when the lineup comes out. Yeah, I think that's the there is like some weird noise going on outside my apartment that I can't control. And so I apologize if, if, if it's coming through. If it's not, then you can just assume I'm crazy. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, I mean, the, the, I think I agree that the center back issue is is the biggest question uh, as to how that's going to shake out, because I absolutely agree with you that Olam is not going to start again. Uh, my guess and I would I would feel fairly confident about this. Uh, is that it, it'll be Chara and and Paredes uh, in central midfield. Diego Valeri is going to start. Sebastian Blanco is going to start. Uh, then it's a sort of pick two uh, of, uh, of, you know, Samuel Armenteros, Fernando Adi, uh, Dairon Espria. And, I mean, maybe you could make a dark horse argument for Victor Arboleda. We haven't seen much from, Ar- from Arboleda rec- recently, at least not since... Uh, that game against the Red, basically Red Bulls 2, not the last Red Bulls 2, but the even more Red Bulls 2 that the Timbers faced uh, in, in preseason, in which he was excellent. But we haven't seen a ton from him since then that that, that would you know make you think that that is a likelihood. But nonetheless, hey, throw him in there as a dark horse. So two of those four would seemingly be the choices, and whether that is in a, in a two front, uh, it, if they go with uh, Adi and Armenteros, or if it's in a you know sort of the traditional four-two-three-one setup, uh, if they go with one of the two strikers and then one of the wingers, um, so yeah. But I mean, otherwise, I mean, you look at those center backs and look. I mean, there are three. I mean, if I were to put these this in the sort of most melodramatic way possible, uh, it would be either both Ridgewell and Mabiala start, and it's sort of a last chance guys kind of thing. Uh, or it's a, one of them starts, the other doesn't. And <laughs> that is sort of done with like making an example out of the guy that, that doesn't start. Like I said, this is the most melodramatic interpretation that, that you can come up with, uh, or neither start. And, and, you know, Gio just has gone Michael Corleone, uh, on the, <laughs> the Timber center back core. Uh, but again, not like entirely without cause. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's going to be the most interesting one. And I, I think, yeah, in spite of my drama here on the show today, it probably is also uh, the most dramatic of the questions uh, heading into the weekend. So I, I certainly agree with you in that regard. As I noted, uh, Guzman and Polo will be on international duty. Polo with Peru, uh, Guzman with Costa Rica. So they will not be with the Timbers uh, against FC Dallas. And that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Hot take segment to be named later. Jamie Goldberg, start us off. All right, uh, I'm going to talk about David Beckham's Miami team uh, because it's gone past comical. It's it's just depressing to read. Uh, continue reading about this team. They the MLS um, it potentially embarrassed themselves with what it's getting out now by having the official announcement that David Beckham's Miami team has been awarded official franchise thinking that they had a stadium secured finally after what is, I believe, like a five-year saga. And then very soon afterwards, they start talking about a different stadium venue, uh, potentially on a golf course, not the one they were originally looking at. And then I believe it was today came out that that is facing some political backlash and they might be looking at another uh, stadium site. And this is just, this is just such a bad look for MLS after 
this entire saga after them putting up with the the whole process, say holding on while other uh, locations have put in serious uh, and viable bids and holding on to this Miami uh, hope because of uh, the relationship with David Beckham and whatever uh, legalities there are there. But at this point, I I mean, it's going to look really bad when MLS continues holding on to Miami and then decides that either Sacramento or Cincinnati, uh, based on some reports out last week, it looks like Sacramento might be that odd odd man out. Uh, it doesn't deserve to get an MLS team, even though they've done a lot more to prove that they are ready to have an MLS team at this point, and probably a lot more to prove they have the fan support to have an MLS team than Miami has. Uh, so this whole saga is just a bit ridiculous, and I think MLS needs to figure out a way uh, to potentially start thinking about moving on from Miami if this is just going to be continue to be drawn out over and over again. But they can't now, can they? I, I, I mean, I don't know. You know I mean, that's I, the thing. Like, maybe they can't, but they have to make a decision. So they have to do something. They yeah. can't just let this play out as it's doing. Maybe they can't walk away now, uh-huh. but they need to get further involved or, or something. They have. It's just so embarrassing that they officially award... Miami a team and then this it's the within same weeks, stuff that's been happening within weeks yeah it, <laughs> it, it was like going it felt like the next day. <laughs> yeah it just and I I don't know I mean it's an embarrassment for MLS that they basically decide to award Miami a franchise without recognizing that the stadium site that they supposedly had what was far from secure and far from viable um I don't know how they messed that up but they, of course they did and they're They need to figure out a way to resolve this. Maybe they can't at this point. Maybe it's too late uh, to kind of take away a team from Miami. But man, I'd feel pretty bad if I wasn't a fan in Sacramento right now watching MLS cling to Miami while potentially saying, no, this 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 team and this fan support doesn't deserve to be an MLS. Meanwhile, yeah, Sacramento is like actually doing like preparations on their stadium site. They not only have it, but they have like shovels in dirt. Uh, doing stuff. Yeah. Look, I mean, this is at this point, it's the like scene in Anchorman where <laughs> the like bear reaches up and tears Luke Wilson's arm off uh, for like the second time in, in the movie that he loses his arm. And he's just like, this is just for a gosh darn family show. This is just for gosh darn ridiculous. Um, I mean, come on, come on. You have this announcement then just weeks later, so the idea was this Overtown site, and it seemed like everything was moving in that direction. And then weeks later, it's like, oh, actually, no, we're thinking about moving on from Overtown and, and, and looking at this 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 golf course up north of town. And, and now that's running a dot. You've got to be kidding me. What were they doing awarding the franchise? If, this, if they didn't have this nailed down, what were they doing? And, and it's not like this embarrassment is happening in a vacuum. We've seen what happens when MLS sort of gets myopic uh, when it comes to choosing their yes. their expansion sites, and when it comes to choosing to sort of sort of committing themselves to expansion projects without having an actual like viable stadium plan actually like in place, and that is NYCFC, which is now starting its its what third or fourth season? I don't know if I can count fourth season uh, in Yankee Stadium, and. I mean, honestly, I I wouldn't bet that they're not gonna that they're gonna play less than ten seasons in the Yankee Stadium. There is absolutely no end in sight to that horrible stadium situation that NYCFC has at Yankee Stadium. the 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 field is still a joke. It's tiny. It's a postage stamp. Uh, it 
periodically ha- has trouble with the, the quality of the playing surface because, oh, that's right, part of it is, is sort of laid over the, 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 in, the infield dirt. And so, I mean, come on. Uh, it, it's, I agree with you. I'm, I'm shocked that MLS is sort of letting this go down uh, that same path that it went down uh that it went down with NYCFC but that's where it looks like it's going meanwhile yeah i i agree uh you've got poor old sacramento the 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 you know unwanted prom date uh <laughs> hanging out here out west i i don't know it, it's inexplicable but i entirely agree with you it is humiliating for mls and it makes it look like they, they they're just bumbling around uh with with the expansion process okay Moving on from the expansion process, uh, but nonetheless staying in extra Portland. That means outside of Portland. (laughs) Extra Portland MLS uh, kinds of things. Uh, Clint Dempsey received a red card against FC Dallas uh, this last week uh, as a result of a a video review in in which the the referee, Chris Penso, determined. I think Penso was the referee. He was either the referee or the VAR. Don't quote me on, on which one. Uh, determined that he hit Ja'Cory Hayes in the, you know, where the sun don't shine, the, the sensitive areas, family show. Um, yeah, uh, you know, looking at the video, I honest to goodness can't tell if Dempsey actually did. Uh, I think he tried to hit Hayes. I don't know if he tried to hit him uh, where the sun don't shine, but uh, I, I certainly think he tried to hit him, clear his arm, do something uh, in a, you know, aggressive, probably more forceful than necessary, but not super egregiously so kind of way. Dempsey, though, doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt on this, right? He is, I mean, it it was literally something like 10 or 15 league games ago in which he absolutely unambiguously uh, hit Mark Bloom of TFC in the same area, uh, unambiguously meant to and, and and was sent off as a result of it. So he has a reputation of doing this. I, I have absolutely no qualms not giving sort of a person who has a reputation of doing that particular thing, not giving that person the benefit of the doubt when it looks like it is it's possible that he did it again. Because it, it's, you know, I mean, it, it's it's on the level of, uh, of you know, Luis Suarez and biting. Um, and, and, and so, you know, when you've got a, when you've got a noted biter and you have a suspected bite, you don't give the, the, the noted biter, the, the, the doubt there, they, that's just kind of how it goes. And so I have no problem with that. If the red card had been issued initially without resorting to VAR, I would have no qualms with it whatsoever. That's just how it goes. You don't hit people there. You don't hit people, period. But you you don't hit people there. And, and, and if you do, and you establish a reputation of being the kind of person that does that, among Dempsey's various other, frankly, moronic transgressions, uh, then, yeah. I mean, the, then you, you lie in the bed that you made. Where I sort of scratch my head, though, is with VAR. Because this is something that, that did go to VAR. The referee did go to the monitor. The VAR did recommend a review, apparently. Uh, and and in order to reverse a non-call on the field, and, and the red card was not issued on the field, in order to reverse a red card not issued on the field, it has to be sort of a clear and obvious error. I don't think any reasonable person can see the various video angles that we've seen 
and find it clear and obvious that that Dempsey both, in fact, hit him or intended to hit him. Uh, I, I just don't think that evidence is there. And so benefit of the doubt or not, uh, I, I think this is an interesting moment where we sort of have to determine how referees are going about using VAR uh, and sort of overlaying it with these kinds of benefit of the doughty kinds of considerations. Uh, and I think that's a, a legitimate question. Although uh, it is, you know, nobody's going to be going to be pitying Dempsey because, heck, I mean, it's just desserts in, in, in many respects. Uh, I, I think you have to ask yourself whether this is a correct use uh, of video review to, to be using it like this and, and, and using it to send a player off and potentially exposing him to further discipline uh, for something that is, frankly, on, on video, not clear and obvious. So uh, I, I don't know if I, I mean, you can probably tell from my tone if I feel terribly moralistic about this because, you know, not a sympathetic character. Uh, but nonetheless, it, it's an interesting one, and I think it's one that, that that folks at MLS should be giving due consideration to. Jamie? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree that they should be giving due consideration to it. I, I don't think he should have been sent off. I don't think. It, it was clear and obvious, and I don't – I mean, yes, maybe reputation comes a little bit into it, but when you're using – I think when you're using video review, that's what you, you're kind of using to see the facts when you're kind of – not having to rely so much on reputation because you should be able to see clearly or have a better idea of what actually happened. I just don't think it was clear from those videos and given what VAR is here for, I I don't think he should have got a red card. So I don't know how to kind of reconcile that. I I definitely think MLS should be looking at it um, because based on what we've been told VAR is supposed to be, I, I just don't see given those video angles, how that was the decision the referee came to. Yeah. And it feels weird to, you know, sort of be coming to Dempsey's defense in this situation because his, both his reputation and potentially even his actions here are pretty indefensible. Uh, but, you know, this is this is another sort of discomfort uh, in, in the VAR world. It's not the only one. There have been successes with VAR. Uh, there have been some unsuccesses uh, with VAR, and, and, and I think this sort of falls into at least uh, an ambiguous middle. Okay, a couple more Timbers questions. Uh, one that I will just admit straight off the top, I don't know the answer to. Uh, and that is Mike's uh, question, which is, what's going on with Foster Langsdorf? He has not been with T2. He's not been sort of with the, you know, in with uh, the, the first team, at least in, in, in regard to game day kind of stuff. Is he with the team right now or is he doing something like uh, finishing his degree before he joins up with the team? Jamie, do you know? Otherwise, I'm perfectly fine saying Mike will find out for you and report back yeah, next week. Yeah, this is, this is something that I probably should have asked. Uh, it just hasn't come up since he isn't a guy that's going to get much playing time. But I do know that even though he joined the team in Arizona, he did go back to Stanford after that. Um, so I think it was more of a spring break joining right. the team in Arizona because I know he wasn't back when the team came back from preseason. I have not seen him, nor have I been particularly looking for him uh, recently. Um, it, he's just kind of one that's fallen a little bit off my radar with everything else going on. We will try to get a better answer, but if I were to guess, I'd say I think he might still be at college. That is, that's my guess as well, but it is only a guess and we'll see if we can't nail that down. But hey, stay in school, kids. Nathan wants to know, in the spirit of the annual ESPN survey, 
Who is the most overrated Timber and Thorn? This is a nice segue. We're going to Thorns next, so we'll do both here from Nathan. Jamie, you Nathan is putting us on the hot seat. What do you say? Oh man, you go. You, you should go first because I need a minute to think about. You're this. gonna make me go first. So the most yes. the most overrated Timber. Man, this is this is. I mean, it, it's hard because rated is a. I think a genuinely sort of like challenging. I mean, you know who. A rated in the eyes of whom? Is it in my eyes? Well, obviously not, because Nathan's asking me who I think is overrated. Sort of generally, uh, man, I, I I would say, and this is this is it, maybe even unfair in some ways, because I, I think this guy is a solid player. I think that he's a, a nice depth piece. I think uh, Zarek Valentin uh, is benefiting from quite a bit of backup quarterback uh, sort of syndrome. Uh, where, you know, as the alternative to guys like Alvis Powell, uh, he is made to be better than he is. And I, and I think he's a fine uh, sort of replacement level, you know, maybe even better than replacement level uh, backup, backup right back uh, who, you know, you're not concerned if he has to start some games. But I don't think he's more than that. And I think he gets talked about as, as more than that uh, from time to time. That said, I think the guy is really cool. He's a Bruce Springsteen fan, which is why I think he's really cool. Uh, and I'm really glad he's a timber because I think he's a great depth piece, but I don't think he he's a, a ton more than that. Jamie, I, I did the timber now, so you have to go. Man, that was a good one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Why didn't I go first? Um, yeah, you had the opportunity. I gave I you know, that chance. I know. You punted. Zurich probably, Zurich, Zurich, I, mean, it's I returned really your punt for a touchdown, it's and now just, you're regretting punting. <laughs> I am regretting because... The problem I'm having trouble because there there's some players I want to say, but then I don't feel like they're actually rated. I think people I think people on the timber side especially are, are pretty critical, so it's hard to it's hard to. Okay, you See, I, you, I can, you can sheet. so if I just did the did the timber, let's do this. You can do the thorn. Okay, I can do the thorn side. Yes, do the thorn side. Okay. this is harder too and i think it's especially hard i like i have one that will absolutely get me eggs thrown at me and so i'll I'll just throw it out because it sounds like you're drawing a blank i'm gonna say this and it's not because i don't think this person is a legend i do it's not because I I, I, I I don't think the, the I, I don't I'm not glad she's a thorn because I am and I'm not even going to say this because I don't think she's good because I do uh, I, I I think she's been an important player for the thorns over the last few years but yes Christine Sinclair um, she's often talked about uh, as though she's sort of in the MVP caliber uh, caliber kind of player because of her absolutely immense and entirely deserved uh, reputation on the international scene. Uh, like she's sort of an, an MVP caliber player in NWSL and she's not. Um, and, 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 and that's the, that's the reality. Sink is, is a legend and she is a club legend. Uh, and, and she has had as immense an impact off the field as she has had on it. But when you come to, to her actual production on the field, I think there have been, been times when I, I wouldn't put her in, you know, the top six or eight thorns. Uh, and and that's that's really saying something. So it, it is w- entirely with respect uh, for for everything that that Sink has accomplished uh, the, that I say this. But you know, no, I, I I don't regard her as being one of the Thorns' best players. 
Is that is that an outrageous thing to say? I I think that she there was times last year that we were discussing whether or not she should be starting um just because of production and things like that i definitely don't think she produces as much as you'd want her to given uh kind of the reputation we give her at, at this point i also do think she contributes in a lot of ways on the field that we maybe don't uh value uh, as people um, just kind of watching soccer and not being completely immersed in in the field and in the game in that way. So I, I can see where I can see why you picked her. Um, but I think she does contribute a lot and she does, does still find a way to get goals for this team when they need them too. So, uh, but you had the guts to come up with names and I am <laughs> apparently just completely drawing a blank on this one. Uh, Yes, e- yeah. even even if I'm now gonna like wear a mustache uh, and fake nose yeah. uh, when I'm out in public for the next couple of weeks, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's how that's gonna go. Uh, the Thorns they finished the preseason tournament two two draw uh, against the U.S. Women's National Team U23s. That was last week, I think. Like maybe even as we were recording, uh, but around when we were recording, nonetheless, that happened. Uh, and then a zero zero draw with the Houston Dash. As a result, uh, in the in the two games against NWSL competition, the Thorns had no goals in the preseason tournament. They had the 1-0 loss uh, to open uh, against the Red Stars and then the, the, the 0-0 scoreless draw against the Dash. How much of a cause for concern is this for you going forward for the Thorns? Um, it, it was a huge cause of concern for me. I, I, I really, looking at the preseason tournament, I just didn't see where this team was going to get production from. I even with Haley Rosso coming back in, I, I don't think she alone uh, is someone that's going to provide that production. Tobin Heath is someone that's going to at least provide on the assist side, but she isn't by any means a prolific goal scorer, um, although she will make a huge difference in the attack. Uh, but yeah, looking at what the Thorns showed in the preseason tournament, I, I think that was the most concerning thing coming out of it. How are they going to score goals? Uh, now that Caitlin Ford is injured and might not be back till July or August or even later. I think the caveat now we have to look at it and the thing that might give us some more confidence is the, and we'll get to it a little bit more in a minute, but the the new signing that the Thorns uh, just made uh, of Switzerland International, Anna Maria. I was going to make you say this anyway, so don't feel like you're going to wiggle out of it. Ron, I don't even know you're supposed to. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally like, and you're, you're looking, you're looking at a guy. You're not actually looking at him because this is a podcast, but you're talking to a guy. You're not actually talking to me because I'm doing all the talking except Jamie. Uh, but you, you know, I, I'm a person who does not blush in the face of Vitochas Andruskevichis. I, I, you know, I, I got it down. I nailed it. You know, I, I I feel like I, I have a decent command of it. This not touching it with a 10 foot pole. Trino Gorsevic? I'm going to I'm going to give you an A for effort. Anna Maria okay. in any event. Go ahead. Yeah, we're going to go with Anna Maria. Um that does give me a little bit more confidence that they're going to be able to find goals. Now, that's not going to be week 1. I I there's an international break coming up. I don't know exact timing. It was supposed to be after her international transfer certificate arrived, but that can take a little bit of time and given that there's an international break coming up, after the Chicago game, I would expect that she won't be here for at least a few weeks. And and so the Thorns are going to have to find a way to deal with this 
um, lack of production in the attack and find a way to try to sneak some results in these first two weeks uh, with injuries, with absences, and what we saw in the preseason tournament. Uh, I don't have a ton of confidence. I, I think this team will sort it out. I think they have every year. I think looking down the road to April when they get the get Haley Rosso back, get Andresinha, get uh, Ellie Carpenter, uh, and uh, by then have Anna Maria, I think this team's going to look uh, and Tobin Heath uh, as well. Uh, hopefully, I think this team's going to look a whole lot better. But I, I think the first few weeks of this season um, could <laughs> I, I think foreign fans should be ready for for it to be a little rough. Yeah, and it looks like it's going to be the first four-ish, five-ish games of the season uh, that are going to be really heavily impacted by this. It, the impact is probably going to diminish somewhat as we go because, as you noted, Ana Maria is expected back. Tobin Heath is expected back at some point, you know, in this stretch. And, and, and then finally, Andresinha uh, and, and Haley Roscoe will be getting back. But, you know, it very much looks to me like this is going to be a, a first month or so of the season in which the Thorns are really going to have to sort of scratch and claw for results. And you do sort of have confidence that Mark Parsons is capable of getting his team to do so because they've done it. I mean, they've done, uh, they, they've pulled out results, whether they're, they're, they're not always pretty, but whether they're draws uh, or, or sort of low scoring wins, they've done this when they've had, for example, lots of international absences and the like in the past. And so, you know, there is a reason to, to sort of have faith that they can do this, but yeah, I mean, in looking at the these first three, four, five games at the Courage, at the Red Stars, the Pride at home, uh, and, and then the, the, the Spirit at home before going to the Royals, I mean, these are going to be some games where they're going to have to, you know, just try to pull out a couple of results. And whether that means, you know, sort of resetting expectations for the, for the first uh, four or five or year or, or, or so uh, games of the season, I, I think that's important. Frankly, if the Thorns come out of that, with a couple of wins and maybe a draw or something like that, I think you'd have to be pretty pleased. And they, they would then be in a, in a good position to get healthy, uh, to get the team more complete, to make a run through the middle part uh, and the later part of the season and, and get back into, uh, into an, an advantageous playoff position as they're expected to be by the end of the year. But do you think because of this, people should start sort of readjusting their expectations about something like the Shield? Is that a fair conversation to be having at this point? Or is it premature, Jamie? I think it's premature because I think when you look at past years, they've had some issues early in the year that they've been able to sort out. And this team has a kind of almost a reputation under Mark Parsons for finding a way to kind of put together a win streak at the end of the year that puts them in the Shield race. Maybe that's not going to happen. You you can't bank on that every year. But I, I don't think that going into the season, the fans should immediately set their expectations below the shield because this team has shown that they can start slow, deal with absences, and then bring it all together and be dominant towards the end of the season. So, Jamie, let's talk a little bit more directly about Ana Maria and her uh, imminent or expected arrival uh, in, in Portland. What kind of player are the Thorns getting in what kind uh, of resume is she bringing to Portland? Yeah, uh, she brings a great resume to Portland. I, I mean, just look at she just look at what she's done on the international level with Switzerland. She has 100 caps and 50 goals. So she's scoring uh, on the international stage every other game. Um, she's done well in Germany. She's experienced, but she's by no means uh, she's right. I believe she's 27. I think she's right in her prime. That's correct. Um, so 
yeah, it looks like the Thorns are, are bringing in a very strong player that should be able to contribute immediately and is going to be really important for them given the firepower they lost in the attack when, when Caitlin Ford went down. So this is another international player that the Thorns are bringing in. What do you think the ramifications are for Ford down the the line? I mean, just sort of walk us through the roster mechanics, at least to the extent you understand them, because nobody on the outside understands NWSL roster mechanics fully. Uh, but walk us through the roster mechanics of bringing in another international player uh, with Ford right now on the 45-day disabled list. Yeah, I, I think that in terms of the international player is the key point of that. In terms of roster space, they they still, uh, because of the extra, um, because of the fact that the Boston players don't count against the roster, they still have a little bit of space on the roster, but it's salary cap and, and the international element that, that complicates it a little bit. I think, uh, at least at this point, they don't really need to make any moves around this. Ford is going to, be, I'm sure, on the 45-day disabled list. She's going to be on that for a while. And Mark said she wouldn't be available until maybe July and August. So I, I think they have the chance to, at this point, take her off the active roster, put her on the 45-day disabled list, and, and just wait and see how she recovers. Now, in August or July, if she's coming back and she looks ready to play, I, I think at that point the Thorns are going to have to look to make some trades or some moves or, or see how they can kind of navigate the salary cap and the international spot at that point. But I, I think this is something they can put to, towards the side for a while. And, and just to be clear, the, the 45 day designation on that disabled list, it's like baseball where that's the minimum. So she has to be on the disabled list for 45 days, but Ford can be on the 45 day disabled list for longer than 45 days. So it's not like she has to be back uh, on the active roster and, and occupying that international spot, occupying that cap space uh, before, you know, just 45 days from whenever she's so designated. So just to clarify that, uh, another piece of clarification that I, I think we could use for, uh, from you, Jamie, in the reporting you've done this week, Sandra Yu was, I think, the, probably the biggest surprise in her absence from the Thorns opening day roster that was released this week. Uh, do you agree with that assessment that that was the biggest surprise? And, and what do you think the deal is with that? Yeah, I, I think that was the biggest surprise because we, we knew that um, the... I think it was clear, uh, given the roster space, it was going to be tough for Bella guys to be on there, even though she remains, she's still training with the thorns. And obviously their, their other, uh, their other college draft pick Gabby is, is dealing with an injury and is not yet joined the team. So yeah, I think you not being on there was the biggest surprise. I got some clarification on that from Mark today. It sounds like given the roster limitations and calf space, they just weren't able to get her on. Uh, the issue being that she was going to go back to school anyways. So I, I don't think they necessarily wanted her to take up a spot. Um, they wanted her to be available for, for this North Carolina game because of timing, she would have been able to play, but I think maybe this had to do maybe more with you trying to use her as a national team replacement and the mechanisms around that. Uh, they basically weren't able to work it out so she could get on the roster, at least for this uh, game. And she was heading back to school anyways. So she's going to be someone that comes back. Uh, after she goes, uh, after she finishes school. And at that point, they will make roster decisions with her, uh, with Gabby, um, and go from there. Look, I mean, you've got you, you've got Siler, uh, you've got now this Ana Maria slash Ford uh, kind of dynamic. Do you think it's fair to say that the Thorns roster is likely to be a bit more 
I don't know if fluid is the right word, but I'm going to go ahead and use it fluid <laughs> uh, over the course of the season this year than it has been in years past. I mean, especially, uh, you know, last year in the carryover from 2016 to 2017, there was very little movement. Uh, there was sort of very little sort of Thorns roster action. Uh, do you think the, these are indications that that is not going to be the case this year, that there's going to be a lot more movement uh, even on the roster and, and on the the technically 20 uh, but we all know a few more than that players this year because of the the breakers folding uh, the, uh, over the course of the year to get, you know, if necessary, Siler and or you uh, in the team at appropriate times. Yeah, I, I think there'll be a little bit more, but but I think there's always been a, a little bit. It's been a little bit more fluid on, on the women's side, on the NWSL side than we see on the MLS side. I, I mean, every year we see amateur which by the way, we don't have any more amateur players, but in the past we've seen amateur players uh, get practice with the team for law of the year, get brought up onto the full roster, maybe later in the year get waived uh, because international players are coming back. There, there has been a, a little bit of movement towards the end of the roster in, in the past. Maybe there's going to be a little bit more this year. The, the Thorns definitely have enough players around the club that ultimately they're not going to be able to get all of those players on the roster at the same time. Uh, but I don't think it's that different from previous years. How likely, how likely do you think in light of these kinds of pressures now building seemingly across NWSL, uh, because there were, you know, the thorns were not the only team with sort of surprising omissions from their opening day rosters. Uh, how likely do you think it is we see in the near future roster expansion, the, the size of rosters growing? Because 20 is very small uh, and uh, almost necessitates uh, when you have international call-ups and injuries and the like, almost necessitates having some sort of gray area, whether it's whether it's amateur players or, or now just even more gray area players uh, sort of being in the orbit of the club. Uh, do you think that's likely to be formalized into larger rosters sometime soon? Or do you think we're likely to sort of proceed by this technically 20, but it's 20 in a in the fuzziest imaginable way uh, kind of way going forward? The NWSL hasn't talked about that very much, so I haven't heard anything to make it sound like it's going to go up. I think, yeah, you would think that they're going to want to at some point uh, raise the roster limits, but to do that, they were they would have to raise the salary cap a substantial amount. And they haven't really done that uh, on a year to year basis. They, they had, they made a big move last year to move the minimum salary up to around 15,000. But this year, I think they moved it up on both the minimum and maximum and total salary cap and uh, kind of just the cost of living amount, you know, they, they didn't really make that substantial a change. I, I wouldn't be shocked to continue seeing 20. I think, one of the reasons that that's going to be or the league might think that's more doable next year is they're expecting to bring at least one, if not more teams into the league. So some of these players in the pool, uh, in the pool within the NWSL are going to get moved around. There's going to be probably uh, some sort of expansion draft and some of these players aren't going to still be with the same clubs next year. Um, but I could be wrong. I think that's it. That is an area that the NWSL should look at. I, I think 20 is not a big enough roster and, and leads to how it needing all these other sorts of mechanisms to, to deal with what is really a limited roster. But I'm just not sure if they are going to be willing to make the salary cap adjustments they would need to make to enable that. Yeah. I, so what I, I, frankly, I think the easy sort of 
analogy and sort of path forward on this because I do think at some point over the next few years, they're going to have to expand beyond 20. And it only makes sense if you're going to get rid of amateur players, which they is a good thing to do, uh, to formalize it. It wouldn't surprise me if they do something like MLS does, where only the first 20 players count against the salary cap, only the, the, the players on the senior roster. And then you've got the supplemental and the reserve rosters uh, that, that are players that you have on your roster that you can play, that you can call upon, uh, but that don't count against the salary cap, uh, subject to the limitations of those rosters. It wouldn't shock me if over the course of the next few years we see NWSL go in that direction and have you know some degree of a supplemental roster of, of you know I mean players that are making the league minimum or just a little bit above the league minimum have a limited number of years of service time and the like, but nonetheless don't count against the cap. Uh, wouldn't shock me at all if that's the direction it goes. Uh, okay, let's hit those injury and arrival updates uh, that we haven't yet talked about directly, uh, starting with Tobin Heath. Jamie, you did a, a whole host of reporting uh, on this kind of stuff this week. Uh, what do we know about Tobin? Yeah, uh, Mark said that she definitely won't play in the first game, so she won't be playing in against North Carolina, and she can make her return anywhere from the second to fourth game of the season. Uh, but he made it sound like at least what he's anticipating is it's not going to be longer than that. Uh, obviously she's coming off a uh, ankle injury, ankle surgery. So yes. Uh, so it sounds like over the course of the next four ish games uh, for her, Andre senior, we know a little bit more and have a little bit more definitive. Jamie, what is that? Yeah, uh, I think she was basically she was supposed to come to Portland, but picked up a knock while with Brazil and it just didn't make sense to fly her out and then send her back to Brazil, given the given the fact that she needed a few weeks to rehab. So what they're doing is letting her stay with Brazil in Brazil to do this little rehab ahead of the Copa America. And then she sounds like she'll be coming back after that, uh, which is in towards the end of April. Do you would you say that Andresinha is pulling a Haley Rosso or is Haley Rosso pulling an Andresinha? Jamie, answer that one. I I, I do not know. I, I think Haley <laughs> Rosso was injured before Andresinha. Okay, but, okay uh, so so we'll call it a Rosso. Uh, Andresinha <laughs> is pulling a Rosso, but they're basically in the same situation, right? Where uh, Rosso sort of picked up the knock. It didn't make sense to bring her, to bring her back to leave her with Australia. They have another round of call ups coming. Uh, and then she'll be joining the team thereafter. Is it fair to characterize them as being basically well, in the same boat? I sort of, but I, I think originally they weren't going to have Rosso come in anyways. I think that's the difference. Even though you did see Sam Kerr come, um, and Australians clearly could have come, they they had originally announced that Rosso and Ellie Carpenter as well wouldn't be joining the team until after um, the, the tournament, the Asian Cup. In April, I don't know the reasoning behind that, uh, but that's what they did announce originally with the roster. Mark also sound, sounded, at least from your reporting, and this is my interpretation of your reporting, uh, sounded fairly non unconcerned uh, about about Rosso's injury. Would you yeah. agree with that characterization? Yeah, I mean, he said there's a he thinks she'll probably be on the Asian Cup roster if she isn't uh, because of this injury. He said she could come in earlier and finish her rehab here, but. Either way, he didn't make it sound serious and felt like it was very likely she would be on that Asian Cup roster. And this one is in town, so not one that we're wondering about that. But Emily Mangus, what do we know? Uh, Emily Mangus has been dealing with what Mark classifies as some leg pain. He didn't get into too many more specifics than that. That is but, that is Savarese-like detail right there. Yes. <laughs> but it 
he did tell me whether or not she was going to play. Uh, I guess, guess he has. Geo has said who's not going to play, to be fair. Yes. Um, <laughs> Mengus is not going to be playing uh, Saturday against North Carolina. Mark said he was confident she'd be back in time for Chicago. Okay. So it sounds like that's, uh, that's just going to be another week or so uh, before that is, is resolved there. Okay. Thorns versus Courage. That is uh, the game that is coming up inconveniently especially for somebody like you that's got to cover both games Saturday also at 1230 PM. So we're just like rocking a ton of Saturday afternoon soccer. Uh, They are at the, the courage in North Carolina. Uh, What sort of a a lineup do you expect to see from the thorns? I think we've hit a couple of these. So, so maybe just anything else uh, you you expect, maybe the, who you expect to step in for, for Mangus and and whether you think they will run out the three slash five player back line that we saw in that last preseason game against the dash. You know, this is uh, when I was thinking of hot takes, I really should have hot take this because I, I think it's just absolutely insane that the NWSL looked at the Timbers roster and decided to make this the, the game. I know they wanted the Thorns and North Carolina to be the game of the week in the first week of the season, but they could have maybe made that the second week of the season. It just it's shocking to me that they recognize they have such a big fan base in Portland. They obviously want those fans to watch the game. And yet they look at the timber schedule and decide to schedule it at the exact same time. So that people that might be both timbers and thorns fans are going to now have to choose. Uh, and people like me are going to have to get a freelancer hired in North Carolina because we can't, uh, do both. Although I don't mind having someone there at the game covering for yes, us. That is nice. It is going to be, quite annoying for me not being able to watch uh, both and having to kind of go back later and watch the Thorn season opener, which I have not missed since I cover started covering this team. So that, that is my feeling about that. Anyways, uh, <laughs> that just came into my mind when you mentioned they were at the same time in terms of the line. So you, you're double dipping on the HTS TBN. I am because I <laughs> forgot about this, but it is actually something that's been bothering me since I found out that that was happening. Um, in terms of the lineup we're going to see, I think we're going to see a lineup that looks very similar to what we saw last week uh, against the Houston Dash with the Thorns rolled out in their final preseason game. I, I think in terms of personnel, that's about as close as we can get to um, what the starting lineup is going to look like. They were using five players in the back in that game, at least to start. I, I think they made some switches, but uh, if they are going to stick with that formation, their back, uh, France was in goal, the, the back, five was Megan Klingenberg and uh, Mitch Purse essentially as a two wing backs left and right. And, and then the center backs were uh, Emily Sonnet, Catherine Reynolds, and then uh, Kelly Hubley, who is not on the roster, but Mark said today that they would be calling her up as a national team replacement. So it could be her. It could be Elizabeth ball, depending on what they want to do. Um, but Kelly Hubley was the one that was in there uh, for the preseason game. Then I, I think in the, the midfield, uh, you have Lindsay Harand. I think Celeste uh, is going to be the other player in the midfield uh, since, uh, although it could also be Angela Salem. I, I think she was still getting into the mix of things. She did not play uh, a ton in that game, um, but I, I think it would be between Celeste and Angela Salem for that spot in the midfield. Uh, Sinclair kind of in the attacking midfield role. And then you have um, Efi. And Onimono, yeah. I'm trying to just 
I am doing this in my mind and trying to figure out where I'm at with numbers. Mal Weber. Missing one and Mallory word. Weber. Mal Weber. Yeah. Yes, there we go. And Mallory Weber. So I, I think it's going to look pretty close to that. That certainly seems to be the, the reasonable uh, sort of bet at this point. It seems like Mallory Weber sort of has that spot as the as the replacement attacker for all of the various missing attackers right now. Uh, pretty well secured at, at, after preseason. Do you agree with that, Tyler? Lucy, I think, was the other uh, player that we were wondering about maybe competing for that spot. Do you think it's fair to say that Weber just has her nose in front? Uh, in it that position. seems like that. I think Lucy was dealing with a little bit of a, a knock during preseason. I, I know she's healthy now, um, but it does seem like Weber seems to be ahead. So there we have it. That's what to expect in the Thorns uh, visit to the Courage. Uh, let's talk about predictions. I think that's all we got uh, left to do. So let's do it. Starting with the Timbers at FC Dallas, Jamie Goldberg, what's going to happen? Um, and by the way, Haley Rosso, I, I do believe was called up to the Asian Cup. I had said it as if she might be. It sounds like she was. Uh, so I just confirmed that. Um, there you go. With, so there we go. Where that knocks at. Timbers versus Dallas. Um, I am not very confident going to this game, given what we've seen from the Timbers in the last two matches. So they're going to have to prove to me that they, they can be better than what they've shown. I'm predicting a 2-0 loss. Dal- uh, Dallas 2, Timbers 0. I was struggling to come up with a side bet. So... Um, this isn't necessarily because I think it's going to happen, but because why not? I, I'm going to predict the Timbers miss a PK. Why not? The Timbers miss a PK. They've done like basically everything else uh, yes, exactly. over the course of the first couple of games. <laughs> so why the heck not? Um, you have more faith than in the Timbers defense than I do. Uh, I think it's going to be 4-1 FC Dallas. I think this is uh, an FC Dallas attack that they've had some, I, I think, favorable the draws, I mean, certainly with the Dempsey red card uh, against Seattle uh, sort of shifted that game. But even when they were on level terms, uh, even in the sort of a disappointing 1-1 draw uh, against Real Salt Lake, this is an attack that, that looks like it has it together. I mean, Michael Barrios is still Michael Barrios. He's he's very good. Mauro Diaz looks like he's getting back in that pre-Achilles tear form that, that was excellent and made him uh, come to be known as the Magic Unicorn. Um, so that is good. Maxi Rudy looks to have his finishing boots on, even if some of his decision-making over the last couple of weeks has not been the best. Uh, he nonetheless, uh, looks like he is in a good spot with respect to finishing. So I think it could be a really rough go for a Timbers back line that has been not good thus far. So I'm going to go four one, uh, to FC Dallas in this game, not a ton of faith. Uh, but I think Sebastian Blanco is going to get the goal for the Timbers. That'll be his second of the season. Uh, and that will be the same number of goals as the Timbers have scored through their first three games. Thorns at Courage. Jamie, what do you say? I think, that, like I said, that this is going to be a little bit of a rough start for the Thorns. I, I do think Mark Parsons it has a knack for getting his team as, as ready as they can be. But... I, I just don't see them picking up a win in this game. I think it'll stay pretty close. I'm going to predict a 2-1 loss, uh, Courage 2, Thorns 1. And I'm going to predict Christine Sinclair, uh, your your overrated player, is going to score a goal. <laughs> oh, boo. Um, I mean, obviously not boo. That would be great. <laughs> uh, but, you know, boo because you're being mean to me. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Courage 2, Thorns 0. Uh, I'm not. I don't have a lot of courage 
Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> coming into this game, uh, and or, or at least confidence coming in, in, into this game. I, I think this is just going to be a tough one. The courage I anticipate will be good. You know, the Thorns, I just think right now, are, are too much of a work in progress to get this result and have this be one of the ones that they grind out, even though I do think they will grind out some. Uh, I think this is going to be pretty ugly from the Thorns, and I think they are going to generate fewer than seven shots. Not fewer than or equal to. I don't have the line under the little alligator thingy. I get. I guess it's the bird, not the alligator. Wait, no, it's the alligator. I don't know. One of the two. It's either a bird or an alligator, but there's no line under it. Fewer than seven shots for the thorns going into this game. Uh, we are down to the fantasy update. Top three. Uh, after three weeks of MLS fantasy with the Soccer Maiden Portland team uh, is a random team from... It doesn't tell me. Oh, goodness. Uh, a random team from S... You go ahead and finish that word however you like. That is Hugh uh, with 250 points, just one point behind FC Pied Lorne. Uh, that's Kaplan, 251 uh, in, the, in the top spot. 255 points, so four points clear of the field. That is Beer City FC. We are Soccer Morning Made in Portland. On the other side of the internet from me, that voice you hear is Jamie Goldberg. I'm Chris Reifer. You can find us every week on OregonLive.com and Stumptown Footy. You can subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you all for your questions. Thank Jerry for being a very, very, very good boy during the, the course of the, the this recording. Uh, and enjoy all of the soccer, uh, inconveniently, all played at the same time uh, this weekend. We'll be back here to talk about that and more next week. Uh, and until then, as always, take care.